So if you'll take out your message notes, you'll see we are in week two of Stranger Things, this series of messages in which we're exploring some of the more weird and unusual aspects of our faith. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but if you were to sit down and read it, it wouldn't take you long to realize that the Bible is full of strange stuff. We do have some strange beliefs as Christ followers. And so last week, we talked about one of those stranger things, and that is this concept of spiritual warfare. That there is a battle going on, an unseen battle that takes place in the spiritual world between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And not only is that a weird thing, but what we discovered is that that war impacts what happens in our lives. As Christ followers, we are engaged in that battle, whether we know it, believe it, or want to be a part of it. It impacts our daily lives, and we learn some very practical ways to recognize and be engaged and fight spiritual warfare. Today we're going to look at another strange thing that the Bible talks about, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Bible defines the Holy Spirit as the supernatural power and presence of God in our natural life. Think about how strange that is for just a moment. Think about it. We believe, as Christians, we believe that the God of the universe, the creator, the one who spoke the, the stars into existence, the, the immutable, the unknowable, the all-powerful God of the universe, somehow places his spirit's presence inside of our lives. I'm telling you, that's weird. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you've grown up. We get used to it as Christians, but when you stop and think about what we believe, that is some strange stuff. But here's the thing. As crazy as that is, it's an essential aspect of our faith. Now, growing up in the church, I was aware of the Holy Spirit. In our church, we talked about the Trinity, the three-part nature of God. God is one, one God, eternally existing in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I understood God the Father because I had a father. And I understood God the Son because I was a son. But I really couldn't comprehend this idea of God the Spirit. And it didn't, really wasn't a big deal because at my church, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And we certainly didn't do weird things because we were filled with the Holy Spirit. But when I was nine years old, I went to church with a friend of mine who lived down the street. And his church talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. Only they didn't call him the Holy Spirit, they called him the Holy Ghost. And they did some weird things during their worship because of the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I went, I was sitting beside him. Now, when I was growing up in church, in my church, if you talked out loud, if you got up out of your seat, if you did anything strange like that, you would get either the elbow, the pinch, or the stink eye from your mom. And so I go to my friend's church, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking all at the same time, and they're talking in a language that I don't understand. And some people are running up and down the aisles, and so I leaned. I was freaking out. I leaned over to my friend. I was like, what is going on here? And he's like casual. He's just like, 
they're just full of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want to have anything to do with Him. But as the years went by, as a teenager and as a young adult, when I began to take some ownership of my faith, and as I began to engage with God's Word, the Bible, I began to discover that the Holy Spirit is not some weird thing that we should be afraid of, that it is an essential part of our faith journey. And one of the passages of Scripture that really helped me start to understand this, this Holy Spirit thing of these words of Jesus from John chapter 14. Now understand, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples as part of the Last Supper, and he is telling them that he's going to be leaving them. He is returning to heaven, and they will be left to carry on the mission. Now, of course, they freaked out by that, because for three and a half years, they've been following Jesus. They just went where Jesus said to go. And they just did what Jesus said to do. And now he's talking about leaving them. And they're like, how are we going to survive? How are we going to know where to go? How are we going to know what to do? And I love Jesus' answer, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, there's a lot of information that Jesus gives us in that verse. I just want to look at a couple of them. One, it's interesting to me that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. He says, he, him. He, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The, the Holy Spirit is the person of God, just as Jesus was God in the flesh, and God the Father, you have God the Spirit. It's personal. It's not some weird it. I also love the fact that Jesus says, it's not just that I am with you, my Spirit is with you, but Jesus says, my Spirit will be in you. The third thing that Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit, and I personally think it's the most important thing he tells us, is that is that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help you. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send an advocate to help you. That's what I want to go after this morning. How does the Holy Spirit help you in your life? How does the Holy Spirit help me? Because you remember I've said throughout this series, the Stranger Things series, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of interesting things. You're going to learn a lot of new information. But the purpose of this series is not information, it's transformation. So we really want to focus on how these stranger things are a relevant part of our daily lives. So I want to look at three practical ways that the Holy Spirit helps me. And understand this is not an exhaustive list. I could preach for six months on all the different ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. I just want to look at three of the primary ways. So let's jump in. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps me to know and do God's will. The Holy Spirit helps me to actually know what God wants me to do and then gives me the power to do what God is calling me to do. And that's great news because I can just tell you as a pastor, number one question that people ask me, Philip, how can I know God's will? How can I know what God wants me to do? I bet you've asked that question at some point. right? You're some of you are probably asking it now. You're at a crossroad. You're about to make a decision. 
Do I marry this person? Do I buy this house? Do I take this job? And you're like, I just wish God would tell me the right answer. God, just show up, burn a bush, and speak to me, and tell me what to do. How many of you have ever thought that, that you wanted God to just tell you what to do, right? He has. Let me tell you this. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. How do I know that? Because in so many ways, God is speaking his will directly to us. Several ways. One, God does it through his word, the Bible. The word of God contains the will of God. If you ever think God is calling you to do something that contradicts with scripture, God's not calling you because God's will will never contradict his word. So we find God's moral will, his guiding principles in his word. God also speaks his will into our lives through other believers. That's why it's so important to be connected in an authentic relationship because there's wisdom in a multitude of godly counsel. So God will often speak through people at the right place at the right time because they have the right experiences. But the third way that God speaks to us is through his Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. By the way, this is the continuation of Jesus' conversation with his disciples about what's going to happen when he's gone. He says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will what? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Some translation said he will tell you what's going to happen in the future. Now, before you run out to open a fortune-telling business, you know, and put up a neon sign that you can tell the future, Jesus is not saying that the Holy Spirit is your crystal ball to see the future. What Jesus is saying is that God's Spirit gives you access to God's perspective. Because the Holy Spirit has God's perspective and is in you, you get a bigger view of life than just what you can see in and of yourselves. I was thinking all week about how to illustrate this for you, and the closest thing I can come to goes back to my days coaching high school football. On Friday nights, on game nights, the majority of us as coaches, we coached from the sidelines right down there in and amongst the players. That's the best way to interact with them, to encourage them, to talk with them was down there on the sidelines. But being on the sidelines, that's the worst seats in the house. You can't really see what's going on in the big picture. So we would always put two or three coaches up on top of the press box, high over the stadium, and we could communicate with them through headphones and microphones, and they could tell us what we could not see on our own. They would say, well, they're lining up this way. Or, you know, you got one more yard for a first down. Or, or you didn't get the first down. Send the punt team in. And we would listen to that and make decisions based on that higher perspective. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Gives us God's perspective on our lives, on our world, on the future and the present. Now, let me tell you, I have never heard the audible voice of God like I heard those coaches' voices in the headphones. But I have, throughout my life as a Christ follower, heard the voice of God in this internal prompting, these nudgings. I can't really define it for you. I can't explain it to you. I'm just telling you it happens. 
And I feel this, you know, prompting inside of me to maybe stop, not go down that road, or, or to, to spend time with that person, or to stop and help this person, to go to this place. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying when the Holy Spirit comes in you, it's like a possession, and you just become a mindless robot or a character in a video game where God's controlling the joystick and just moving you through life. What I'm saying is it's just like with those coaches. I could hear what they said, but I could always choose to ignore it. I could choose to say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. I'll just do it my own way. Or I could get mad like Coach Steve Spurrier used to do, and I can throw the headphones off and do it my way. We have those choices and options whether or not we listen to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. When our kids were little, we had a trampoline in our backyard. One day, Terry was at the kitchen sink looking out the window, and she noticed that the kids were moving the trampoline up next to the outside of the house. Then one of the kids was bringing a ladder from the shed to go up on the roof. Of course, Terry's smart. She put two and two together. She ran out there. It's like, what are y'all thinking? That we're going to jump off the roof, land on the trampoline, and just see what happens. Well, fortunately, she shut that down that evening when I got home from work and she told me about it. I gathered them together. I was like, what were y'all thinking? I said, let me ask you this. When y'all were planning this, at any point was there a voice in your head that said danger? Did you hear any kind of thing that maybe this is not a good idea? And I'll never forget one of the boys said, yeah, I heard that voice, but the other voices were louder. And don't we do that? We allow the voices of culture, the voices of our own desires, our own ego, to keep us from hearing God's voice through His Spirit. Now the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is not only does it allow me to know God's will, but it gives me the power to do that will even when I don't want to do it. Look at Acts 1.8. Again, Jesus talking to the disciples moments before he returns to heaven. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, I can guarantee you this. The last thing that these 11 guys wanted to do was be out on the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming the name of Jesus. Because they saw firsthand the awful power of of the Roman military. They saw how controlling and conniving the religious leaders of that day could be. They knew if they went out on the streets and mentioned Jesus, that they would suffer the same fate that he did. They did not want to be Jesus' witnesses. And yet, ten days later, they are all out on the streets, boldly proclaiming in the name of of Jesus. Why? Why? Is it because they got together and encouraged and got their courage up? No, because of Pentecost. That day when the Holy Spirit fell and filled them, it was the Spirit's power that enabled them to do God's will for their life. Same thing for us as Christ's followers. In fact, that leads to the second thing that the Holy Spirit helps me do, and that is to simply live a holy life. Now, I know as you're writing that word holy in there, you're thinking, he is talking to somebody else. When it comes to the holy life thing, that ship has sailed for me. 
And the reason we think that way is because we think the word holy means perfect. You know, getting it right, doing it right, not making any mistakes. Nothing could be further from the truth. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy means set apart for a higher purpose. Holy, to be holy, to live a holy life, means to be different than all the people around you. Living a holy life means being different than the culture and the world around you. And if you look around, there's one thing that's in every culture, in every community, and in every world, and that is self-centeredness. This obsession with self. That is the flow of the world we live in. And I've traveled all over the world. That is not an American thing. That is a human nature thing. And so what Jesus is telling us is that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to swim upstream. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be unselfish in a selfish world. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to focus on others in a world that is obsessed with self. I love how Paul puts it in Romans 8, 5. He says, those who live following their sinful selves think only about the things that their sinful selves want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about the things the Spirit wants them to do. In other words, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit gives me a new motivation for life. The Holy Spirit gives me a, a new mindset, a new driving force about what my life is going to be about. An internal force to live differently than everything around me. How many of you have something about yourself you'd like to change? Now, I'm not talking about lose a pounds or grow more hair or have better... I'm talking about character stuff. You have things in your character that you wish you could change. Let me just see the hands on that, right? That's almost all across the board. And how many of you would say making that kind of change is hard to do? Yeah, that's almost the same number, right? Why? If it was easy to make those kind of changes, you'd have made those changes a long time ago, right? Why is it so hard for us to change our lives? Because we try to make the changes from the outside in. We try to go, I'll just be disciplined enough. Now, you know, we got an anger issue. We're like, I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to lose my temper. I lost my temper. Because we try to change from the outside. True change, authentic change, starts from the inside and then shows up on the outside. And that's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. Look at Galatians 5.16. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, lasting change is not based on your willpower. A transformed life is not by how disciplined and hard work you can put to it. A changed life comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Best example ever of that is Peter. You know, Peter the disciple... For three and a half years, Peter does everything he can to be a good follower. He wants to be the best follower Jesus has ever had. And he gives it his whole heart. I mean, this guy is committed. 
He's all in. From the moment Jesus said, leave your nets, come and follow me, he's all in. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard. He sees Jesus walking on the water. He's like, I can walk on water too. And he gets out of the boat, and in his own strength, he can take a few steps. But then he starts to sink, and he has to cry out. Right here towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus tells the disciples, when the soldiers come, you'll scatter like a bunch of scared schoolgirls. And Peter said, not me. These other punks may run, but I'm all in. I'll never leave you, Jesus. A few hours later, Peter whimpering by campfire, swearing that he never even met Jesus. That's what happens when you try to transform through your own strength, through your own ability. And yet now, 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, guess who's leading the charge to proclaim the name of Jesus on the streets of Jerusalem? Peter. He's bold in spite of his fears. What changed? Not he got more discipline. He got more surrendered to the Holy Spirit's transforming his life. Can I just ask you a question? What are you trying to change in your own strength? What are you trying to fix? What are you trying to save with your own discipline and willpower? Maybe it's a relationship, your marriage. Maybe it's a family member and you're just thinking, if I could just work harder, if I could just love them better, if I could just do more. Or maybe it's with your finances. If I could just work harder and get a better job, or then our lives would be. Or, or maybe it's a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. You keep trying to overcome it in your own power if that's you. I know Jesus brought you here today to say, just surrender. Fall apart in my arms because I have filled you with my spirit. And it can transform you to live a holy life, the life you've always wanted to live. And then finally, number three, the third way that the Holy Spirit helps me is that it helps me make a lasting difference with my life. The Holy Spirit helps me make a lasting difference within my life. Within every human heart, there is a desire to make a difference. Within every person on the planet, there is a desire to leave a legacy beyond themselves, to live for something bigger than themselves. And the reason I know that is the Bible says that God has planted eternity in the hearts of people. And so we have this desire to make a difference. God created us that way. And God equips us to make that difference through His Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. It says, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And how does He do that? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. If you're a Christ follower, you have at least one, maybe more than one, but at least one supernatural gift or ability that is beyond what you can do on your own. And the purpose of that gift is to make a difference with your life by serving and helping others. That's what spiritual gifts are for. And you say, what gifts are you talking about, Philip? Well, they're listed several places in the New Testament. If you read the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, which I hope you will, Paul lists some of those gifts. There's another similar list in Romans chapter 12. There are some other places throughout Scripture where individual gifts are listed, and I hope you'll spend some time this week 
figuring out what those gifts are. Maybe talk about it in your home group. What are those gifts? But when you start reading through those lists, I can guarantee this is what's going to happen. You're going to start looking through that list, and first of all, you're going to say, wait a minute, Philip. Some of these gifts are not supernatural. They're just natural, like leadership, or the gift of administration, or the gift of hospitality, or the gift of mercy. Those aren't supernatural gifts. I know people who are not Christ followers. They don't have the Holy Spirit, and they have those gifts. And then you're going to look at some of the gifts and go, now that's supernatural. You know, the gift of tongues, or the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Now those are supernatural gifts. What I want you to understand is that every gift of the Holy Spirit is supernatural because it comes from the Holy Spirit. Even though some people may have that one of those gifts naturally, the Holy Spirit's gifts are always supernatural. Let me see if I can quickly explain this to you. One of my spiritual gifts is the gift of leadership. Now, there are lots of people that are born leaders. Let me just tell you, I am not one. If you were to go through my report cards from my teachers, nowhere on any report card did any teacher ever write, this boy is a natural born leader. Nobody ever wrote, this boy is going places. In fact, most of the notes they wrote were like, good luck, Mr. and Mrs. Lee. You know, this boy is a follower, we're not even sure he's going to make it. And so any leadership, any leadership that comes out of me is not out of natural talent or abilities. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. All the gifts are supernatural, and God gives them to you to make a difference. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, don't you think that's something you might want to check out? There are all kinds of ways to do that. One of the tools that we've used for years here at Cedar Creek Church is based on a book called Shape. And we use that book because it not only talks about spiritual gifts, but all the other things that God uses you, how God has shaped you. There's some information on your program. You can get that book from Amazon. There's even a small group study guide if you want to do that with your home group. Shape is an acronym for the five things that God uses to carry out His purposes in your life. S, spiritual gifts, like we're talking about. H, heart, passion, the things you care about. A, your natural abilities and talents. P, your personality. And E, your experiences, the things you've been through. God uses all of those, and the Holy Spirit provides those spiritual gifts. Here's why I want you to understand this. Here's the most important thing. If you are a part of Cedar Creek Church, and you are not using your spiritual gifts to serve something at this church is being left undone right now. Because God knows you, God brought you to this church, He knows the gifts you had, and He brought you here to implement His gifts in this church to make a difference for the kingdom. So I want to encourage you to take that step. Look at what Paul says, Romans 12. It says we are many parts of one body. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What has God equipped you to do well? And why aren't you using it to make a lasting difference? You want to make a lasting difference? It's not going to be from how much money you put in your 401k. That's going to be gone as soon as it gets in your kids' and grandkids' hands. 
You, you might build a wonderful business that might bless for generations, but one day it's going to be gone. A lasting difference comes from using your gifts to serve others within the church, within the community, and around the world. Let me close with this last verse on your outline because I want you to understand, not only does the Holy Spirit help us accomplish these amazing things with our lives, but the Holy Spirit also produces amazing benefits in our lives. Galatians 5, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look, I, I don't know about you, but I am desperate for more of that in my life. We are desperate for more of that in our church. Lord knows we are desperate for more of that in our nation and in our world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for just speaking clearly through your word about this strange thing, the Holy Spirit, this strange presence and power of you in our lives. Father, help us to not just take this as information or facts or fill-ins on an outline, but help us to live the way you have designed us to live, leaning on the power of your Holy Spirit's presence. You know, maybe you're here today and you know you don't have that Holy Spirit in you because you're not a believer. I'm thinking maybe God supernaturally brought you here because you know that's what you need and desire. A life of purpose, a life that matters. Or, or maybe you are a believer, but you've just taken off the headphones. You, you're not tuned in to the Spirit's voice. You're listening to your own desires. You're, you're being swept away by the culture of all about me. If that's you. I know God brought you just like he brought me here today to be reminded, to just surrender, just to surrender to his spirit's leading and live the life you were created to live. Father, thank you. Move among your people. Pour out your spirit, not just in this service, but through all of us as we scatter into our community, our nation, and the world. In Jesus' name, amen.